It's actually random bonus. Hello and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you for joining me. And you can follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B dot A-L-B-U-M-B. And this podcast is available on most streaming services, including Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Cast, Breaker, and wherever a podcast is available on your streaming service. However you stream, as long as you listen, I greatly appreciate it. Well, as you know, just from what you saw in the title, this is a random bonus episode. This is the top 10 one-hit wonders in country music. And this is just a little teaser because next week I start my first two-parter of the season and it will be tackling a country music legend I'm talking, of course, about George Strait. But before we get into the two-part episode, you have to get through the random bonus episode. Top 10 one-hit wonders in country music. So why waste more time? Let's get right into the rankings. Before we kick things off at number 10, I'm sure there is a lot of you listening wondering what position Billy Ray Cyrus is going to be in with the song Achy Breaky Heart from 1992. And I will tell you right now that uh, if you're hoping for Billy Ray to top the uh, list this week, you're going to be very disappointed because he's not going to be on this list for several reasons. Yes, I know Achy Breaky Heart is the... uh, song that Billy Ray Cyrus will be forever known for. and But despite that, he did have top 10 hits on the country charts and disappeared for a few years, came back. But technically, since he did spend 17 week, 18 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with Lil Nas X a couple years ago for Old Town Road, technically, he is a uh, multiple hit wonder. I'm not going to say two hit wonder, although this is technically... Billy Ray's second time on the Hot 100. But yeah, Billy Ray Cyrus is not a one-hit wonder. So this was not a very easy list to make, by the way. I just wanted to let you know that I had to do a little bit of research. And some people may wonder, oh, I didn't know this person or this band was a one-hit wonder. This is where I come in. So no Billy Ray Cyrus on this list. Sorry. But coming in at number 10... Eric Heatherly, remember that name? He had the slick back pompadour look, had the, the album Drinking in Champagne released uh, late 99, early 2000. Well, this was his only big hit, and it came in 2000, peaking at number two originally on the country charts and number four in the Hot 100 for the Statler Brothers. No, instead, uh, this version came in at number six on the country charts and number 50 on the Hot 100. I'm talking about about Eric Heatherly's version of Flowers on the Wall. Heatherly was influenced by Creedence Clearwater Revival and other similar country rock acts, and the music bug bit did bite Eric very early as he wrote his first song at age eight. It's good to see you. I must go. I know I look a friend. Anyway, my eyes are not accustomed to this life. And my shoes are not accustomed to this hard concrete. So I must go back to my room and make my day complete. Counting flowers on the wall. That don't bother me at all. The rockabilly touch with Flowers on the Wall was definitely different because it had that sound hadn't been heard on country radio since, well, let's be honest, the uh, 40s and 50s. So Eric Heatherly did put in a nice touch as far as this song has been is concerned. And yeah, believe it or not, that was the only top 10 hit for Eric Heatherly on the country charts. And despite the fact that the album it came off of Swimming in Champagne was a top 20 hit, 
the record company that Heatherly was in was restructured and there was little to no promotion and follow-up singles barely cracked the top 50. There was a second album set for 2002. The album was recorded, but it went to DreamWorks, which he re-recorded the album and then it wasn't released. And right after that, Eric Heatherly was dropped from the record label, which is unfortunate. Swimming in Champagne was not a bad album by any means. It was just a case of, well, what it's always been as far as radio and the music industry is concerned. Politics. And there's nothing more, nothing less about that. Now, there was one other release that came out in 2005, the album Lower East Side of Life. It was released in 2005 by the independent label uh, Coke Records, K-O-C-H. But there were no singles released off of it. And with that said, Eric Heatherly had been dropped again. The most recent news about him was that there was a self-released album in 2012, The Goats of Kudzu. Yes, I'm serious. That is the name of the album. But there has been no further information on Eric Heatherly ever since. And despite the momentum that he had gained with Flowers on the Wall, Eric Heatherly's career sadly went nowhere, and that is really a shame because he definitely had a lot of potential. And speaking of people who had potential, coming in at number nine from 2001, what if she's an angel by Tommy Shane Steiner? There's a man, and there's a woman living right above you in a park. Peaking at number two on the country chart and number 39 on the Hot 100, this was Tommy Shane Steiner's only top 40 hit on both charts. And you heard in the background vocals in the chorus, that was Vince Gill there. So he was on top of the world for like three months. The album Then Came the Night was a top 10 album on the country charts as well. Brief history on Tommy Shane Steiner, born in Austin, Texas, to parents who were rodeo entertainers. It was Steiner's dream to be a country singer. And fun fact about What If She's an Angel, it broke a record at the time of being added to over 100 country station playlists in one week. 100 country station playlists in a week. That is very impressive. However, despite the song's popularity, Steiner's follow-up singles didn't even crack the top 40, and Steiner left the bull that he was in soon after. Also, DreamWorks. That was back in December of 2002, and sadly, there was not much known afterwards as he just disappeared. Nothing, not one peep or note from Tommy Shane Steiner since 2002. It's really a shame. That was a career that should have been huge, but unfortunately, just another example of another country artist lost in the shuffle. Honestly, it is it is really too bad because, yeah, so many good artists that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s that made it great to listen to country music again. Unfortunately, I'm going to sound like a, a broken record here, but at the end of the day, it is corporate radio and the record industry that causes people to just flounder. It's There's just no way around it. So with that said, let's keep on going. Coming in at number eight, another casualty in the early 2000s. I loved her first from Heartland back in 2006. This was a number one single on the country charts and got as high as number 34 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's a tender ballad about a father giving his daughter away, and thus the title, I Loved Her First. And this was a smash hit that has remained popular at weddings for years to come. Nobody else in the world I was enough for her not long ago I was her number one She told me so, and she still the downside to this was that all follow-up singles were complete flops. They either missed the top 40 or just didn't chart at all. 
And by 2012, Heartland had left their label and had promptly broke up, broken up. And the self-titled, actually, this wasn't a self-titled release. The name of the album was also called I Loved Her First. That is the only album that Heartland had ever released, much like Tommy Shane Steiner earlier with Then Came the Night. That was the only album that he released. And it looked like it was going to be the end of Heartland. However, the song did chart again and crack the top 10 once again in 2015, back into uh, peaking at number seven. The reason this charted again in 2015 was because there was a viral video of a father singing I Loved Her First in American Sign Language at his daughter's wedding, and it generated millions of hits, and of course resulted going back into the top 10. Also, I Loved Her First was re-released again as a duet with Tracy Lawrence just two years ago. So, yeah, that's pretty much Heartland's magnum opus, but no matter what, I Loved Her First remains a wedding staple 15 years after the song went to number one. From the first breath she breathed when she first smiled at me. Keeping the countdown rolling at number seven from 2010, Pray For You by Jaron Lowenstein. What's that? You don't recall that name at all? It was a top 20 hit on the country charts. Really? You don't know? Okay, do you remember the group Evan and Jaron? Yeah, you do. You've heard this song. She's changed my Yeah, you've heard that name before. You've heard, and you've heard crazy for this girl before. That was a top 20 hit on the Billboard Hot 100 in 2000. We fast forward 10 years later, Evan and Jaron had called it quits, and Jaron is in the middle of a solo country career under the one-man band Jaron and the Long Road to Love. Man, oh man. Honestly, this was the song that made me fall back in love with country music in that decade, just because it was... It wasn't your usual Rascal Flats that was getting played to death or Jason Aldean or any of them. This was just a down-to-earth, well, let's be honest, it was a novelty song if there ever was one. The song began with Jaron going into church. He was dealing with a bad breakup, and the preacher had told him, oh, don't wish ill will on others. You can't hate them. It's best to just continue to pray for them. And boy, let me tell you, pray for her, he did. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high. Again, you've heard this song before. So, yes, as I said, Jaron was formerly of the pop duo Evan and Jaron with his twin brother, Evan Lowenstein. We'll get to him in a minute. Jaron Lowenstein achieved a big country hit in the spring of 2010 with a top with a number 13 peak on the country charts and number 34 on the Billboard Hot 100. So technically on the Billboard Hot 100, Jaron's a two-hit wonder. But as far as Pray For You goes, he was a one-hit wonder under this country moniker. On the success of Pray For You, Jaron had said, quote, that this was not a marketing ploy or any desire for a smash hit. This was fully requested by fans as soon as it hit radio. Fans wanted to hear it the entire time. And that's definitely true. This was the most requested song by fans on country radio that year. Uh, unfortunately, it only got as high as number 13 on Billboard. It did crack the top 10 
as far as radio and records and media base was concerned. And with that said, there was there were follow-up singles, one going that's one what was called That's Beautiful to Me, which didn't even crack the top 40, and one other single failed to chart at all. And after that, Jaron Lowenstein parted ways with Big Machine Records. And man, yeah. Honestly, looking back, uh, let's see, Getting Dressed in the Dark was the album that I came off of. I had to look at that. I apologize. But honestly, listening to it, he did have talent. The songs were decent, but nothing was as good as Pray For You. Wherever you are, I pray for you. And whatever happened to Jaron Lowenstein? Well, he did release another album a few years later under that same moniker, Jaron and the Long Road to Love, uh, called The Cordovas. Unfortunately, there was very little attention added that was uh, paid as far as that album goes. He does self-release an occasional tune or two on streaming services, but nothing has ever come close to the catchiness and memorability of pray for you so maybe he'll be a three-hit wonder on the hot hunch in the next couple years i don't know as far as evan goes well um evan announced back in 2019 that he has been managing since 2016 the career of disgraced actor kevin spacey what the actual Yeah, if that proves one thing, Jaron is the good twin. That is all I have to say about that. Coming in at number six from 2002, You Can't Hide Beautiful from Aaron Lines. Hailing from Canada, this was the biggest hit of Aaron Lines' career in the United States, with a number four peak on the country charts and number 38 on the Billboard Hot 100. Take a listen to this. It's It's been a while since I've heard this song, too. You'd be amazed at some of the research I did and went, wow, I forgot about that one. I don't know what she's talking about. She looks through With every page she dreams of Looking like somebody else I wish she wasn't so hard on herself Then she falls asleep with just my T-shirt on the debut album for the United States, Living Out Loud, came out immediately after You Can't Hide Beautiful Peak. So it came out at the beginning of 2003. Unfortunately for the Canadian vocalist, follow-up singles reached no higher than number 30 in the U.S. country charts, with his last appearance being 2005. Despite that, Aaron Lyons would go on to have 14 top 10 hits in his native country, including a number one hit in 2007 called Cheaper to Keeper. But unfortunately, as far as success here in America is concerned, Lyons' luck ran dry after 2005, and this still remains the biggest hit of his career. She gets me. She doesn't even know she says it. the way she thinks sometimes. And sadly, there's been nothing new that came from Aaron Lyons since 2011. No information, no, no further information was found about him. He hasn't put out anything new since then. So ten, here we are 10 years later. Uh, no clue. We don't know if he's retired. We don't know if he's releasing new music or anything. He is still alive. Thank God for that. But as far as new music goes, it's been a long time. So we don't know if he's, if his heart's still in the music business or if he just hasn't had the, um, interest right now. Things get in the way. I don't know. But, uh, Aaron Lyons may have said you can't hide beautiful, but you can't hide how great this song was. And with that said, we are entering the top five. Side two on our top ten one-hit wonders in country music is coming up in just a bit. Hang tight.
is side two. If you want to play the record from the beginning, please turn over. Do not play this side if you want side one. This is side two. We're halfway done with our random bonus episode this week. Only five more songs to talk about in our top ten one-hit wonders in country music. So let's just keep on rolling. Coming in at number five, well, before we talk about the artist at number five, there are two types of people in the music business. Those that dream of being big-time singers and those that realize that the overwhelming success is too much for them. Well, in the case of the artist at number five, we talk about the latter. At number five, What I Really Meant to Say by Cindy Thompson. What I really meant to say isn't this was a big hit in 2001. It spent three weeks at number one on the country charts, the longest run at number one for a female artist, debut artist, or any uh, outstanding female artist in 2001. And it peaked at number 26 on the Hot 100. And by the end of the year, what I really meant to say finished as the 10th best country song of 2001. She's only released one album so far, My World, which has been certified gold, 500,000 copies. And that was the best-selling uh, best album, excuse me, I'm tripping over my words, best-selling album by a brand new country artist since Leanne Rimes came onto the scene with Blue back in 1996. In fact, this outsold Leanne Rimes' Blue by an extra 100,000 copies within the first month. So that was saying a lot, and she had a lot going for her. So what went wrong and made her a one-hit wonder? Well, we got to go all the way back from, to the beginning. Uh, back in 1996-97, the Tifton, Georgia native met writer Tommy Lee James, an established country songwriter in his own right. Uh, they met at a party for one of Dina Carter's album releases. I believe it was the one with Absence of the Heart. I don't think... No, I'm sorry. It was Dina Carter's debut album, Did I Shave My Legs for This. So this, this meeting happened in 1996. She was a model... For one uh, for the release party so they hit it off and at the time she was more interested in being a singer than actually being a song writer and uh, well as it turned out she wound up writing eight of the 11 songs off of my world and things just took off like that unfortunately right after the the song fell out of the number one spot uh, the two follow-up singles, I always like that best, peaked at number 21. A follow-up single after that, I'm Gone, finished at number 30. And one other single just didn't chart. And honestly, I'm sorry, I forgot what song that was. It, it really wasn't that good. And honestly, the album was kind of a bummer. I mean, I'm not going to put her down. She did write her own songs. But what I really meant to say still holds up as the highlight of the whole album. I mean, it's definitely powerful. By the end of 2001 and heading into 2002, she had married her record producer and it was and she announced on her website that due to the overwhelming success and pressures of being a country singer she announced her retirement and disappeared for a good good four years and honestly i'm not going to be one of these people that say hey i get the pressure because i'm not a performer i am a podcaster and i just simply do research and music trivia and provide this for you on a weekly basis however from a business standpoint i can understand the frustration that you built all of this this potential success on an artist and the artist is oh uh i i can't handle the pressure i have to go and that was the end of that so it's unfortunate good voice 
the album was mediocre at best. I hate to say that. What I really meant to say still remains the best song on the album. She did come back though, not as a not as an artist, but as a songwriter. She wrote a top ten hit for Gary Allen from his See If I Care album or Tough All Over album. I'm sorry. The song was called Life Ain't Always Beautiful, and Tough All Over was the album that Gary Allen had recorded around the time his wife had committed suicide. Depressing album, great album, but very depressing. The Life That Ain't Always Beautiful was definitely one of the highlights. Uh, and then she did get her job back at Capitol Records, teamed up with Tommy Lee James again. Unfortunately, no new album came out of it, and Capitol Records promptly let her go soon afterwards. She, the, she has released only one additional EP, self-released. It is available on most streaming services. It was called This Time, and it came out in 2009. There's really been no new no music since then, so who knows? Maybe she will put out that second album that everybody's been chomping at the bit for since 2001. But unfortunately, I don't see that happening. I really don't. That's what I really meant to say. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the artist I have at number four was quoted to say to a Pennsylvania newspaper in 1997. Doing something you love is much more important, even if it is a little more dangerous. And in the case of ours at number four, he's not only been living more dangerous, he is one of the hardest working performers in country music. So my pick for number four from 1995, Lipstick Promises by the Gal Galveston, Texas native, George Dugas. This peaked at number nine on the Billboard country charts in 1995, and this was his only top 10 single as an artist. You told me I was all you'd ever need. You said my love would always be enough. Your scarlet kisses on my skin. peaked at number 57 on the country albums chart and it's really unfortunate that this was his only big hit as an artist because super talented songwriter awesome singer but we gotta start from the beginning where did george dukas come from well he had already established himself early on as a songwriter even co-writing a top 10 hit with radney foster just call me lonesome which went all the way to number three back in the summer of 1993 Big hit for Radney Foster. And after rave reviews for that song and a few other songs that he had written for artists, as well as live shows that he performed in the Honky Tonks in Nashville, Dukas was promptly signed to Liberty Records. Now, the debut album did have one additional top 40 hit on the country charts, Teardrops, which he co-wrote with Terry McBride and would later be released as a, on uh, Terry McBride's album, with McBride and the Ride. Teardrops peaked at number 38, but Lipstick Promises was the biggest hit, peaking at number nine. Other singles off the album got no higher than 52, and by the end of 1997, George Dukas was dropped from Liberty. Well, he was moved from Liberty to Capitol, and then Capitol promptly dropped, promptly dropped him at the end of 1997. He hasn't charted as an artist since, and this is still his claim to fame as a singer. As luck would have it though, by the time the 2000s rolled around, he had more success as a songwriter. In fact, he uh, had spawned, he wrote 
several hits in the 2000s, early 2000s, including Beer Run by George Jones and Garth Brooks, Won't Be Lonely Long by Josh Thompson, and the number one hit, A Real Fine Place to Start for Sarah Evans, which, by the way, was also co-written with Randy Foster. The success of this song resulted in George Dukas opening for Sarah Evans during her tour in 2007. In 2013, he released, yeah, guess what? He's still as busy as ever, even without the radio play. In 2013, George Dukas released his first album in 16 years, 4340, on the independent label Loud Ranch Records, and it resulted in massive airplay in his home state in Texas, and the re reviews for this album were so good that he even toured Japan as a headliner to promote 4340. And wouldn't you know it, as luck would have it, even though Radio Nationwide has ignored it other than his home state, in 2019, George Dukas got his first number one hit on CMT. His first number one hit was Lipstick Promises on CMT, which spent a week at number one in the winter of 95. But 24 years later, Dukas would have a second hit video, and it would stay on the top longer than Lipstick Promises did. Three weeks, which was a record at the time. The song, Eastwood. I'll make you feel like a real woman should. Love you like Eastwood. I'll kiss your skin like the desert wind. Every time, girl, I blow in. Burn up the night. If you're interested in George Dukas's music, especially the song Eastwood, which is a damn good song, it can be found on his album Yellow Rose Motel, which you can order online on his website, georgedukas.com, as well as, a, as it's available on streaming services. Last year, Dukas re-recorded his top 10 hit, Lipstick Promises, with he considered, quote, a bit more energy and sounds more like he does when he plays the song in concert. And honestly, listening to it, it's hard to tell which one, which version I like better. But honestly, I think this version kicks ass. Take a listen. Every single word you said, every drop dead shade of red, we're just lipstick promises. Was I easy to deceive? You were so. He sounds every bit as good now as he did back in 1994, 1995 when he hit the country scene. And honestly, I, I think he's great. And if you've seen the video for the reboot of Lipstick Promises, you know he incorporates clips from the old video too. I really enjoy it. And he is in Nashville during the during this video, the reboot video, walking past the exit in. It's just a damn good video and a damn good rework of of the song which was already good to begin with as of this year a new album is expected as well as a tour to promote the album conditions permitting he said say what you will about george dukas he uh he may be a one-hit wonder as a singer but as the record shows he is the busiest one-hit wonder on this list was I easy to deceive? You were so easy to believe. I fell for your every kiss and your lipstick promises. Before we get to the top three, I do have one personal story, slightly personal story involving George Dukas. Remember MySpace back in around 2004, 2005 when that came out and that was the hippest thing for everybody to go on, best social media platform ever until Facebook and Instagram took it over and people stopped caring back in 2010. Well, okay, I did have a MySpace page back in 2005 for at least five years 
And on in 2007, late 2007, early 2008, one particular name wanted to add me as a friend on MySpace. And the name of that artist or that person was George Dukas. Honestly, at that time, that was a name I had spaced out on for a number of years because he just seemed to disappear as far as an artist standpoint goes. I know he had written big hits for other artists in the last several years, but it was just so weird that here's this well-established singer-songwriter wanting to be my friend on MySpace. Well, after doing some checking, saw the blue check mark, official George Dukas MySpace page and all that, I figured, okay, why not? So I accepted the friend request and sent me a letter saying, hey, thank you for following me. Hey, Bur hey BC, thank you for following me. Uh, I really hope you enjoy the new music I'm putting out. And we had exchanged MySpace emails for at least a good month and a half, two months. And I can honestly say he, can, he answered every single one of my questions diplomatically from when's the new album coming out? Are you going to tour? And if so, are you coming to Minnesota? At the time I was living in Minnesota, he answered every single one of my questions as best he could. And I can honestly say, now he may not remember this. Heck, I mean, he, he is on Instagram now too, just as I am. And you can follow him on Instagram at George Dukas, all one word, D-U-C-A-S. Without hesitation, I can say that not only is George Dukas the hardest working performer in country music, I put him up there with Matt Scannell of Vertical Horizon as one of the most down-to-earth human beings in the music business. He has a good head on his shoulders, his ego is in check, and just absolutely cool to talk to. I really hope this new album comes out because I've enjoyed everything he's put out from 1994 up until Yellow Rose Motel a few a couple years ago. So when that new album comes out, I will be listening to it the minute it comes out. And if he ever tours, you can bet your damn bottom dollar I'm going to pay top dollar to go see him in concert. And I really think you should too. He puts on a hell of a show and he puts out great music from beginning to end. I have no doubt this new album is gonna be every bit as good, if not better. That's all I have to say. Let's get back into the rankings. Coming in at number three is an artist who is described by all music at the time of the release of her debut album in 1997 as a fresh breath of air in country music in a format that had been stale for the last several years. And wow, putting all that, putting those words into that, and then having your first two singles barely hitting the top 60. In fact, didn't even go as high as number 62 for the first two singles. And then the follow-up going all the way to number one. And then that's the last we hear from you. That's really saying a lot, putting a lot on there. And then that's the end. But so goes it for corporate radio and the record industry. That number three is an example of such a casualty. What if I said from 1998 by Anita Cochran? What if I told you? What if I said that I love you? How would you feel? What would you think? What would we do? Do we dare to cross that line? Between your heart and mine, oh, would I lose a friend? Oh, find a love that would never end. What if I say? That was a number one hit for Anita Cochran, as well as Steve Warner, her duet partner on this song. This would wind up being Steve Warner's final number one hit. He would go on to have a few more top ten singles before radio stop paying attention to him in 2003. But the hell of it is with Anita Cochran, this would not only be her only number one hit, that would be the only top 40 single she would ever have on the country chart. She got as high as number 59 on the Billboard Hot 100. But man, oh man, here was a really good album. Back to You was the name of the debut album. She co-wrote nine of the 10 songs on there 
and didn't just play guitar and sing. No, she also played banjo, dobro, and mandolin on most of these songs. It's really unfortunate. And Daddy, Can You Hear Me, the follow-up single to What If I Said, only got as high as number 53 before falling off the charts and people had forgotten about it. She did release one more album for Warner Brothers Records in 1999 before being let go in 2004 after a few other uh, non-album singles had charted and didn't go as high as number 53, according to my notes. And that's unfortunate. And then things really got worse for her in 2017 when Anita Cochran was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had finished her last round of chemo in 2018 she it is currently in remission she is doing well thank god she even went on good morning america at the same time in 2018 performed her single fight like a girl yeah unfortunately you know the story here it did really well as far as streaming goes and downloads but as far as radio goes well, they had other things going on in their head, so whatever. Sadly, no new albums from her since 2009, obvious, for obvious reasons, and I'm glad she is still recovering. She still continues to perform and tour. At the time of this recording, she will be in Loudoun, Tennessee uh, sometime this month. Uh, she'll be doing a music festival called Waves on the Water, which features other female country artists like Brandy Clark, Jamie O'Neill, you know the song There Is No Arizona, Carolyn Don Johnson, I Don't Want You To Go, Complicated, Georgia, and the headliner, and Anita Cochran's best friend, Terry Clark, who is an accomplished country singer-songwriter in her own right. So I'm glad, I'm happy to report that she is doing well. The cancer is in remission. I hope she puts out a new album, but as long as she's still kicking butt, beating cancer, touring on, uh, touring in all that stuff, and putting out singles online and hopefully physical album sales, I, I think she's going to be just fine. I really hope she gets, I, ho I hope she stays cancer-free. I know cancer sucks, believe me. I know I've lost friends and family members to it, so it's definitely nothing to joke about the so, Anita Cochran keep fighting like a girl or otherwise and coming in at number two we have another example of one big hit and then promptly disappearing I am talking about James Otto with his big hit from 2008 just got started loving you I'm thankful for the weekend but two days in heaven just ain't gonna do This is gonna take forever, darling girl. I just got started loving you. Wow. Sunset Man, the album that this song came off of, was produced by Music Mafia members John Rich of Big and Rich and his brother-in-law, uh, James Otto's brother-in-law, Jada Marcus of Rascal Flats, and Otto being in the Music Mafia himself. This was a can't-lose effort. He was hailed by critics as a modern-day Conway Twitty. How did this career just plummet after this song was such a big hit? It spent one week at number one on the country charts, got as high as number 27 on the Hot 100, and by the end of 2008, James Otto finished as with the top country song of the year with Just Got Started Loving You. What? happened after that oh man In modern day conway twitty why did he not stick around based on that alone and yes i can definitely tell the conway twitty vibes on this one what can i say i've never felt this way girl you like the and unfortunately follow-ups on this album after Just Got Started Loving You fell off the charts. Didn't really get as high as number 38. His most recent release, his last chart entry, 
didn't get as high as number 26, and that was back in 2015. It was a song called Somewhere. I'm sorry. No, there was one other single that only got as high as number 26 and then promptly disappeared. His last chart entry, in fact, any information on him, including his website, the most recent information is from 2015. And his last chart entry was a self-released single called Somewhere Tonight, and it did nothing. Even with John Rich and Jay DeMarcus at the helm, it just, boom, it was over. Blinking, you missed it. Or you didn't hear it. You know. Otto has yet to duplicate the success of both Sunset Man and Just Got Started Loving You. And it, it's it's really a shame. As somebody who used to be in radio, it just baffles me, even though I've been out of that business for a number of years, it baffles me how fickle the music industry is, how radio is, how record companies are. It just baffles me how fickle they are, how they hype you up as the next best thing one day, and then the next day you get pushed aside. I don't get it. So, and I really liked the album. I do hope James Otto finds success again in the near future. But since there hasn't been anything since 2015, who knows what's going to happen. Before I announce my pick for number one favorite country one-hit wonder, it's time to do a few honorable mentions that I really strongly considered putting on my list, but decided against it just because they weren't as big favorites in my ears, or just because, well, it just missed the cut because they're much better one-hit wonders that I can recall and that have, I have ranked. We can't really talk about country one-hit wonders without talking about Billy Gilman, who had a top 20 hit in late 2000, early 2001 with one voice. He was only 12 years old when he cracked the top 20 on the Hot Country Songs chart. He didn't have another hit after that, but he did release a few more albums, including a Christmas album, and he did finish second place on The Voice a few years ago, being on Adam Levine's team. So you can't really say he hasn't been forgotten. Do I think he's going to have another shot at country music or even pop? I don't know, but his music has definitely sounded a lot better compared to when he started. Just my humble opinion. Also, got to talk about Baby Likes to Rocket from 1994 by the band The Tractors. That was their only top 20 single peaking at number 11 for two weeks back in around December of 1994. It resulted in a double platinum album in the self-titled debut, and they did have six more albums, but none compared to the success of the self-titled release. And while they did have a few other singles charting on the bottom regions of the Hot Country Songs charts over the last decade since Baby Likes to Rocket, none of them again, compared to the success of Baby Likes to Rocket. And the Tractors would disband as of 2020 after the untimely death of Steve Ripley from cancer at the age of 63 at the beginning of January 2020. And finally, got to include one more top 20 hit and her only hit on the big hit on the country songs charts, Breakdown Here by Julie Roberts. To this day, she is essentially a songwriter on various country music songs, uh, but she has not had any success as a solo artist since her one shot in 2003. The self-titled release was certified platinum, but again, a few other albums since then, including the follow-up Men and Mascara, did not reach the same success as her self-titled release or Breakdown Here. Now, I did have... a woman in the one hit wonders list uh, as far as the honorable mention. I also had a woman on the list. And before you come at me on the lack of women on my list, I will have you know, my pick for number one is run by a female and it is the oldest one hit wonder in country music history. 
The year was 1968 and country music was starting to sound a little more edgy compared to the olden days of Hank Williams Sr. and Willie Nelson and Patsy Cline, Jim Reeves. Well, Willie Nelson was kind of mellow at the, around this time in country music. He would go into the outlaw phase in 1975. But let's do a brief example of what you were hearing on country radio in 1968. Tammy Wynette was switching off between Standing By Your Men and Contemplating D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Loretta Lynn was taking a one-way ticket to Fist City. Johnny Cash shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. But there's one particular song that is right up there as far as one of the greatest songs in country music history and the greatest one-hit wonder in country music and this comes from a lady from a little town in texas who preceded shania twain as far as sex appeal in country music goes how so well you know shania twain was famous for shocking audiences for wearing midriffs and showing off her stomach Jeannie c riley shocked audiences by wearing a mini skirt which was the most popular fashion at the time and i I hate to sound sexist, but that was definitely enough for her to go all the way to number one on both the country and pop charts with a song written by legendary Tom T. Hall, my pick for number one country one-hit wonder, Harper Valley PTA. I want to tell you all a story about a Harper Valley widowed wife who had a teenage daughter who attended Harper Valley Junior High. This song was gangbusters on not just the country charts, but the pop charts as well. It knocked Merle Haggard's Mama Tried out of the number one spot on the country charts. One week after going to number one there, it would go to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, where it stayed for one week before being knocked out by the would wind up being the best-selling single that year, Hey Jude by the Beatles. As of now, this remains her only top 40 pop hit. Now, she's had moderate success on the country and western charts after Harper Valley PTA, including five songs that did go into the top 10. So why, why exactly am I classifying Jeannie C. Riley's Harper Valley PTA as a one-hit wonder status? Well, because despite having a few more top 10 hits, none of those really duplicated the success of Harper Valley PTA. In fact, I guarantee you, if you ask a, uh, an expert in country music in the 60s and 70s, and you ask them to name a Jeannie C. Riley song that isn't Harper Valley PTA, nine times out of 10, they're probably not going to think of anything other than that song, which is really surprising because a decade after that song was went to number one, the song inspired a movie in 1978 with Barbara Eden of I Dream of Jeannie fame. And then one year later, a TV series, which lasted two seasons, also starring Barbara Eden and comedian and author Fanny Flagg. And there was a sequel to the song, one which had a tragic end to most of the characters of the original song. Oh, wait, what's that? You did not know there was a sequel to Harper Valley PTA? Oh, yes. Yep, 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 yep. It was called Return to Harper Valley PTA, also written by Tom T. Hall. And it even sounded similar to the original. Take a listen to this. You know, Never took his eyes off of his wife. Mr. Baker stirred the punch. It was lemonade with nothing on the side. His secretary smiled at me and said she was so happy as his bride. Widow Jones is dead. She and a young kid, Mr. Curve on Lover's Lane. Isn't that uplifting? 
Yeah, and naturally that song didn't chart at all on the country or pop charts. By then, it, the Harper Valley craze ran its course as well as the miniskirt craze. And well, so did she for that matter. Around the 70s, she became a born-again Christian and recorded gospel music just to get away from the Harper Valley craze. However, despite this, she still sang the song at her concerts because it was still the most requested song for her to sing at shows. She was never, no matter what, she'd never be able to escape Harper Valley PTA. And things would get progressively worse for her besides the fact that the uh, music charts and radio airplay had run dry for Jeannie C. Riley. Around the late 80s, early 90s, she was suffering from severe depression and even bipolar disorder. Her condition was so bad that her ex-husband, Mickey, by the way, those two were married to each other twice. Twice. Yeah. He had to take, he basically had no other alternative but to take care of her because she was in such a fragile condition. And mental mental illness is no laughing matter. Depression, bipolar disorder, no laughing matter. As somebody who does suffer from depression, that I can, I get, I can relate. I can't even imagine the pain she was going through around that time frame. But her ex-husband would take care of her right up until he would remarry in 1996, not to Riley, but to another woman. And as for Riley herself, she would marry a childhood friend around 2012. Now, she has not released any new material since 2000, but she does occasionally perform live shows. Obviously, that hasn't happened uh, this last year and a half for obvious reasons. But regardless, Jeannie C. Riley maintains her place in both country and pop thanks to a story about a Harper Valley widow wife and a school board full of hypocrites. This is why the impact that this has made from 1968 up until the end of the 70s, Harper Valley PTA remains the top one hit wonder in country music history. And even she would have to agree with me on this one. And I think you would too. No, I wouldn't put you on because it really did. It happened just this way. That day my mama stopped it to the Harper Valley PTA. That day my mama stopped it to the Harper Valley PTA. And just like that, another random ranking is in the books. But before I go, let's do one final recap of our top 10 country one-hit wonders, in my humble opinion. At number 10, Flowers on the Wall, the song from the Statler Brothers, done by Eric Heatherly in 1999. Number 9, What If She's an Angel by Tommy Shane Steiner. I Loved Her First by Heartland coming in at number 8. The one-man band that was Jaron and the Long Road to Love coming in at number seven with I Pray For You for 2010. At number six, You Can't Hide Beautiful by Aaron Lyons from 2002. Cindy Thompson's What I Meant to Say, the number one hit from 2001, kicks off our top five at number five. Followed by Lipstick Promises by George Dukas at number four. What If I Said by Anita Cochran at number three. Just Got Started Loving You by James Otto at number two, and the number one country music one-hit wonder of all time, Harper Valley PTA by Jeannie C. Riley from 1968. And that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Be sure you tune in next week when we begin our two-part episode ranking from worst to best, the discography of the king of country music himself, George Strait. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at random.album to keep posted on future episodes coming up because we're going to be dropping them every week. I'd like to thank my producer and my lovely wife, JC, for keeping the podcast going and keeping the uh, positivity as far as this podcast is concerned and giving me the strength to continue doing this every week. You can also follow, be sure to give us a thumbs up, five star review, one star review 
on Google Cast, iTunes, or wherever streaming services are available. Be sure to follow us on Spotify. And you can also leave messages on this podcast on anchor.fm slash random dash album and click on listener support to be able to leave a message and even donate as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. Be sure to tell all your friends about this podcast if you and your friends are music fans. And if you do leave a message, be it positive or negative, I will play it on the air in a future episode. So until then... I'm BC saying the world is your oyster. Get out there and go shuck it. Y'all come back now, you hear? You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.